0: Do Suburban Fireman Podcast, where we talk all things suburban fire service with your hosts, Nick Peppert and Sean Duffy. This podcast is sponsored by National Rescue Consultants, Build Your Culture, North Florida Fire and EMS Training, LLC, and the North Florida Fire Expo. So grab a drink, pull up a chair, and let's go. All right. Welcome back, everybody. Episode 17 with Bobby Eckert. It's been too long, Sean. It's uh, what has it been since January? I think since we've done any fresh content, Uh, life has been busy to say the least. But uh, we are glad to be back uh, putting down some fresh tracks tonight with Bobby Eckert. Uh, Bobby, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it.
0: So, just real quick, uh, give us a synopsis about you know, kind of who you are, uh, where you're at in the country, you know, where you're at in the job, how many years uh you know are you an engine guy truck guy what you know what kind of drives you and motivates you and uh we'll dive in from there man
1: uh okay uh my name is bob yeckert uh i'm a fire captain in the uh, city of camden new jersey fire department uh south jersey is where i'm at uh the city of camden you can literally throw a baseball uh to uh, philadelphia from across the river i just uh completed my 16th year there on the fire department so i'm kind of entering year 17 which is very wild to think about Um, I'm currently assigned to the fire training Academy assigned to recruit class, uh, two, two, six, zero. And, uh, you know, uh, there's 14 firefighters. We are in week three. So that's where I'm currently assigned right now. Before that I was the captain of ladder one, uh, I was there in uh, August. I went there. And then before that, I was about five years at engine one. Um, you know, I, I did 10 years as a firefighter in Jersey. We do like firefighter captain. Uh, well, not everybody, but some, some of the cities. uh, you know, roll that way. So we're like firefighter, captain, battalion chief, deputy chief, chief of department. So, um, yeah, we're, uh, we're, you know, a uh, 200 man job, men and women job. And, uh, we, you know, uh, we're about 9.9 square miles. It's a very tightly packed urban city. And, uh, you know, we're known for our building instruction, our fire duty and our aggressive fire tactics, a lot of history and tradition there in the fire department. Um, my dad was a fireman. Uh, I'm a second generation, the town I grew up in Collinsville. My dad was the career fire chief and, um, it's, this is basically the only life I know <laughs> good or bad indifferent. different. That's what it is. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's it. Uh, about, um, four years ago now I started echo fire tactics as a, uh, accidentally and it was an extreme accident. And, uh, here I am it says has platonically evolved and you know, that's where we're at. I guess, um, my passion For the fire service is the misinformation on fire ground tactics and the safety culture of firefighting when it's impossible to be safe doing an unsafe act actually the best way to introduce safety to firefighting is by putting the fire out so you know i I disagree with a lot of information out there because my experience has proved me otherwise and experiences of you know mentors that people have, have brought me up to the job has proved me otherwise and yeah, that's it. Like I said, I don't like talking about myself. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> no, out that.
2: that's, that's awesome, man. And, you know, from one Jersey guy to another, I, I can appreciate that. Um, my dad was not a fireman, but he was a EMT for the city of Trenton for okay, yeah. many, many years, you know, so that I grew up with that in my life as well. And, uh, you know, one of the things I kind of, I think why we have such good conversations is, uh, I could share that, that same sentiment with you. Um, I'm very frustrated about some of the information out there and a department I worked in for many years, the culture there was just terrible. Right. And so my buddy Pablo and I, we, we decided just to kind of make like this movement, right. The whole build your culture thing. Like if you don't like it, fucking fix it, you know? And so totally by accident for us too. And you know, same thing training in my opinion is where everything starts. You know, you get like you, you're there now. So, you know, you get these recruits, that is the foundation of where they're going to build from, you know, so it's important that we get it right and do the things that make sense. So experience matters, especially when you become a, a trainer or an educator, you know, that, that really matters. And one of the things I like to stress to people too is um, I don't know what you guys use in Jersey, but most of the country is using either like, uh Ifsta or Brady yeah. You know, to, yeah, exactly. To teach out of, so I, I stress to everybody, like, hey, let's just get one thing straight right off the bat: they're a for-profit publishing book company. Right? I don't yeah, give not a, a
1: flying shit about the information in there, and they're building yeah, structures. Exactly. They have a photograph depicted type three ordinary with a type two non combustible strip store in it. I emailed them; they don't care. They do not care. Tell them I said it to ease my last name. They they don't care. They do not care yeah. about their information at all. They care about selling textbooks which is disgusting, absolutely disgusting. And and fire academies buy them, which is
2: even more disgusting. Well, even more alarming is the fact that like when we're going out there trying to share our experiences and, and tell people, hey, this is why this does not work and here's a better way. Common answer is, well, that's not what IFSTA teaches, right? Yep. Well, again, why, why are we hanging our hat on that so much? Because they don't make our policies and procedures. They're not running these fires with us, right? In fact, if you want to look back at it, they can't even show you how to hold a Halligan properly when forcing a door. You know, there's that picture in there too. So
1: it's true. It's true. We, we use, uh, we're using Jones and Bartlett. Um, it's actually a 2016 edition. So I believe they're due, or it might be 2018. Yeah. I'm sorry. It's just one or the other. I'm sh- I think they're due to pop another edition. And uh, New Jersey's a state programs, the state firefighter ones are getting firefighter one and firefighter two pro board. So, you know, you need to have, you got to hit the JPRs. And, you know, I'm not going to lie to you. Some of the information is not applicable to what we do, but you know what? There there is a way to sift through it and you know make sure you're you're hitting the JPRs while you know giving them the correct information. Um, you know, I, I kind of I, I would be lying to you if I if I told you I, w- I went into a kind of closed minded about the about the the, the 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 powerpoints and the programs and a lot of the information isn't is good. So you know I you know I stand corrected on on, on some of that stuff, but uh, you know it is tough. And especially trying to disseminate the information to where it's going, you know. I think one of the biggest things I try to, you know, um, when I build training programs, and we build a lot of them around people's operational reality. So, you know, you teach Fire One at at an academy, and you have, you know, ABC student who, you know, is a suburban community, a bedroom community of ten thousand people, but it's a pack ten thousand, and they have an engine and a ladder, and you know, they do. 1500 runs a year and you have X, Y, Z student who is rural and you know, their response is just 26 square miles with, you know, 1000 people and you know, and m- maybe they get, you know, 400 runs a year. So it's, it's trying to mesh that into a program. I can only imagine how hard it is.
2: Oh yeah. And let's, let's touch on that for a second. I, like I said, before we start, we go down rabbit holes all the time in the show. So, um, You hit on some good, good points there. You know, where people work and their staffing levels are very different, which obviously means their experiences are going to be very different too. So from, from your standpoint, you have uh, an awesome thing that you like to do. You travel the country, you have uh, taken it to the streets where you're showing up and and you're doing it right there. Now, is that something that you guys build custom for that department? Um, I know that you guys have a lot of cool props that you build to bring that realism in there. Uh, so why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about where that kind of came from and, and how you get your ideas for all that stuff?
1: Um, <laughs> I I keep notebooks. Uh, I write a lot of shit down. I write a lot of shit down. And um, so I'll just I'll have an idea and I'll think of it and I'll write it down. It's kind of like the Seinfeld episode. When Jerry wrote down the joke and you didn't know what it was. Sometimes it's like that. I, I wrote something down, and I don't. I, maybe I was drinking, or maybe I was half asleep, and I didn't know what it was, but I wrote it down. Um, you know, taking the streets. Yes, we're doing we're doing a private taking the streets in um, the Utica area in New York in uh, June. So yeah, we, we are catering that that whole program to that fire department's operational reality. So I went there. I did a lecture. I met with the chief. I've been in contact with the chief. And what I usually do is. I you know I I I just talk about their operations, and from learning their operations, I'm able to build a class. So you know, taking the streets. Yeah, you know, we I try to touch on the same things at every one that I do. I do two, three open enrollments a year. I'm trying to keep it to to three. Um, You know, obviously COVID, all that bullshit. But uh, you know, we do 90 firefighters. They come and they rotate through. And yeah, I mean, our our props are hand built. You know, like our take our roof prop, for example. Our roof prop is a working fire. You're literally standing under a cockloft that's on fire. There's nothing, there's nothing not real about it. You know, uh, not a lot of people in training get to say that they cut a roof that's on fire. There's literally when you, when you, when you curve cut the, you know, when you drop the curve and into the, into the, the roof, there's literally flames coming through to, through the hole. And, you know, that, that prop is very, very tough to build because it it needs to be safe. It needs to be, you know, uh, stand. That's why we tell people, don't try to mimic our prop because you don't know what's inside it. But I will tell you there's a cockloft inside it that, you know, every student gets a flat and a peak cut and we keep it three foot high. We keep it three foot high because if there is an issue, we just push it right off it and, and you're fine. Um, you know, we have the ceiling pulling prop, uh, the traveling fire, and knee wall fire. So, you know, one of my biggest pet peeves for fire one is, you know, I'll get a, i get I've had a lot of probies assigned to me since I've been a captain, you know, I'll get a probationary firefighter out of the Academy and they don't how to hook a ceiling. And I'm like, you know, the first thing you do, especially in fire one, they don't teach hooking ceilings, which is wild to me because the first thing you do when you knock down a room of fire is hook the ceiling. So, you know, it's something we add to it. Um, you know, stretching through obstacles is one where, you know, uh, i got a lot of great guys, you know, first I got to preface taking the streets and, and echo fire tags with the staff that I have that works for me um, and works with me that they are truly the 1% of the fire service in the regards of their attitude and you know they have no, there's no not one ego there, which is wild for fire training because you you know Sean better than anybody. There's there's egos slapping around left and right, and it's 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 not like that. You know they're 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 truly there for the experience that the that the, the attendees getting, and a lot of people pay out of pocket. It's not cheap. It's five hundred eighty five dollars, but it's five it's five hundred eighty five dollars because we build our own props. So you know we're putting you putting you in live fire. You know uh, thankfully. You know, we're able to be insured for live fire. Not a lot of people have the level of insurance we have. And, you know, it was very tough to get, but we got it. And we take it very serious. We pull out all the stops. But, yeah, it's something I can build to your fire department, no matter where you are. You know, if you're in Florida and you got terracotta roofs, I'll put a fucking terracotta roof on our our roof prop. I'm not – there's no – I won't say no to anything except transitional
2: tech. Oh man, I love that. That's awesome. (laughs) And you're doing, you're doing a lot of uh, what most people don't do, right? A lot of these programs out there, not to take anything away from anybody, but me, even me as a student, when I take a class, you can tell when, when it's a very canned program, you know, and, uh, I'm not saying those those don't add value, but like you said, you got people coming in from all over the country and different things, and you want to make sure they're getting the best training possible that yeah. they could take back to their department, you know. We
1: had dudes, we had dudes come from North Dakota um to Pennsylvania, uh, which I think is pretty awesome. And you know, we're always evolving and changing. Like if you've taken the class four, I'd come take it again because it changes from like our, our last one we just did in Westchester. You know, we collectively as a group realized that like we got to re- we got to revamp our search program because we were ignorant to the fact that people come in knowing how to do searches. So we're adding an extra day of searches, and and th- that was great. Like I'm so great, we learned that. And you know, our flips program with our partnership with for Fleer, and you know, a lot of this, a lot of things we're able to do through our partnerships like Snaptype, Fleer, um, you know, First D Fabrications, uh, Elcart, uh, you know, Fastboard, Anderson Rescue Solutions. Like they, they give us the equipment to operate. and and help us with the props. But you know, our flips program is basically, you know, it started uh, one of the guys that works with me, Jason Leone, he's a fireman in Baltimore city. And, you know, we we had a conversation over a beer about, you know, how the room flips when you open the nozzle, it actually gets hotter before it gets colder. And there's a lot of research based information out there that says different, and we can take you in a room with thermal engine cameras and, and prove that it does. And we can prove where there's survivable space. We can prove that, you know, in adjacent areas to the fire room where the floor temperature is 300 degrees or 275, that's survivable space. I mean, you're getting a shower in 180 degrees. So, you know, there's there's a lot of things that the research and the science are getting wrong that can be proven through experience.
0: Yeah, man, it's uh, I can tell you that, you know, realism and training is something that, you know, I think I'll think back in my career and. I was probably, I don't know, six, eight years on the job before I really, I guess, picked up on the deficiencies that, you know, at the local level, you know, you start getting outside your bubble. Um, So I I think I was probably like six, maybe seven years in when I went to my first fire conference, Um, went to MAFC, it's the first time I ever kind of got out of the region, if you will. Um, and, And I just was blown away with the, you know, the quality, you know, the quality instruction and just the amount of guys that were just passionate and paying to be there on their own time dime a lot of them you know and i think that uh you know for me i realized i went back to my own firehouse and realized that we didn't really uh put a lot of realism in our training you know there's a lot of stuff that was done that was just kind of like hey you know just stuff like i mean dude putting how many times you do live fire burns you tell the student not to put the fire out that's one of my, like, you know, and I understand you want to get wraps and stuff, but man, it's, it's so counterintuitive to good engine work because you're literally telling them just, you know, oh, a couple blasts of water and shut it down and let it keep building and stuff, which is great for fire behavior. And it's great for the guys that are resetting, but what are we really instilling, you know, and it's, it's stuff like that. You look at that, you know, the tempo, uh, game time, tempo, when you're training, how many times are we just going through the motions or, or not adding, you know, realistic conditions, you know furniture things like that you know you you a dump, a burn building all day long when it's a concrete floor and there's no there's nothing in the way sure. there's no carpet there's no furniture you know things like that and even even this man you know when we're doing you know dummies dragging dummies and things like that you know sean i know you teach on this in your class is mannequins don't behave the same way as a human body they're stiff they're rigid they're you know yeah it's dead weight but it doesn't move the same way so you know, getting people, obviously you can't really, it's hard to do that in live fire, especially in certain states where 1403 is really hardcore, but you have to practice moving real people because you're not going to just miraculously pull it out of your ass one day when, you know, you got a 350 pound slimy six foot six dude laying on the floor and you got to move them, you know? And, uh, you know, for me, that was a wake up call, you know, for me it was having to actually move a real person. Um, So I like the fact that you speak to the realism in training and the need for realism in training, Um, because really, if we don't add realism in our training, obviously, we're, you know, we're kind of building false a false sense of security, if you will, in our students, right? They think, oh, I just do ABC and the fire goes out and we pull the victim out, you know, of the burn building and that's how it's going to go in real life until you get to some real jobs to realize, man, it's a little messy, right? It's not the same. It's not the same environment. Um, so I like that. I like the fact that you kind of tailor your props and how you teach to where you're at in the country. Like I said, you know, most of Florida, lightweight construction, right? Lightweight platform construction. You know, that's the typical. You know, what you see in Florida. Now you go up up north. You know, to the Northeast, the Midwest. What do you have? You have these 1890s Victorian two and a half story houses with a basement that are stick built that are, you know, that are, that are balloon frame and it's a different fire. It is. You yeah, know? absolutely. So, and, that, and that's one thing too,
1: like, you know, with the class, like you said, you know, we will put any roof on air, but like, again, if, if you guys cut lightweight, if you guys are going to roof with lightweight, obviously you should be using an aero device. So, you know, our props is, our prop is, is built so you can put your aero device right there and cut off it if you want to. Like, it's not. Like, we're not saying, hey, you got to, you know, whatever, whatever you guys do, do it. You know, I, I think it's more like the tempo. Um, You know, when I had the idea for it, uh, I was I was actually I mean, taking the streets is a Doobie Brothers song. I was actually listening to the Doobie Brothers on Classic Rewind in my uh, in my truck. And I, you know, I, I it came to my mind mm-hmm. and I was just like thinking and thinking and thinking, like, is there a way we could we could do this? And we did it like one day. You know, we we did like a one day thing, and then like it evolved like a two day thing, and then we actually uh, we burnt a school in uh, Lehigh Valley, Pennsylvania, in um, Palmer Township, Palmer Township Elementary School, and um, we thought we there was a miscommunication. We thought we were going to be able to cut the roof, and they didn't abate asbestos from the roof, so we, we couldn't cut it. So, or it was like the shingles. It was something It was. Some, it wasn't whatever it was. We couldn't cut the roof, so we ended up having to build a roof prop, and that's was roof prop one. And since then it's evolved. Like we're we're on to roof prop seven for FDIC and, you know, we just made it bigger and better and we're able to figure out a flow and put a cock off in it. It's a, to see the inside of it, you would be like, holy shit, it's wild. But because it's so structurally strong and it, it literally is a working fire. But I mean, that's just one prop. That's just one day. That's, that's Sunday. You know, Saturday, you know, it's the whole thing is about tempo. It's about movement. It's about, you know, the, 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 severity of firefighting the real the reality of firefighting and you know how you need to move and navigate the fire ground
2: oh yeah absolutely and uh you know we just got done uh up over at Nick's conference and uh in florida doing doing our search class and i'll tell you if you just do your standard search class where you say hey guys here's the drill go do it they'll learn something but the stress level that you give them when you run it like an actual fire scene um, So we had like command, and we had uh, dedicated truck companies, engine companies. Um, We even cater to those departments that that run with ambulances, and their firefighters are showing up on scene. Sure, with two guys, yeah. It's
1: a smart. Yeah, move. so
2: we're throwing those scenarios in there because people aren't getting that, you know. And we'll do the same thing every time we do one of those. We'll kind of evaluate and say, "Hey, what could be better? It has to be better," you know. And I think that we all owe that to the fire service. When we're passing things on and, and training oh, is to constantly out. evaluate it. You uh, know we, what I mean? We
1: send out like the Survey Monkey thing. Um, it's it's like two hundred dollars a year. I, if you if you have a training company you teach, I highly recommend doing it, man. And, and we just pick one of their generic surveys and send it out. And I tell everybody like, yo, it's anonymous. If you want it to be, you don't have to. You know, you're you're able to let us know who you are, but like, tell me, do not hold back. Don't, like I've had people. There's literally things that we do like I'll give you a perfect example one of them was a ladies room there was a few female firefighters that said, like yo is there any way you could get a ladies porta potty i didn't even think of it done done 80 bucks fixed problem solved so you know it just just so you're comfortable you know it makes you that more comfortable but like you know again that's how we that's how we got hit to the surge thing this one kid or a guy i don't know who it was he he was really he was really candid and it wasn't negative. It was positive, but he, he made me think like a light bulb went off on a screen capture and I put it in our group and We were like hours of just talking about this. So I agree, man, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta take the experience. Like if you're, if you're a fire instructor and you're teaching for yourself, you're in it for the wrong reason. You gotta be there for the, for the, for the, for the, the, the attendee and, and the experience. And, you know, I know from t- taking fire classes from, you know, I snuck in, Live fire classes when I was seventeen years old, when I wasn't supposed to be. Like, you know, I, I've seen horrible, I've been to great, and I've been to everything in between. And you know, the ones I was that were bad, it, it was totally the instructor, and it t- meant nothing to me where they worked or what they did. It was just their delivery and 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 what they were saying and what they were doing and 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 how they were relating the experience. And, and I think. As if you want to be a fire instructor, you know, that's your passion. And, you know, it It became mine is you have to relate to your to, 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 to your audience and who you're talking to. And, you know, I, I feel like if you can't relate to them in any way, shape or form, then, you know, you're a dinosaur. and You shouldn't be doing it because, you know, I learn as much from them as as they do from us. And and, and that's what I love about it. It's, it's a it's an extremely, extremely, extremely therapeutic pro-mental health process if you do it right.
2: Oh, 100%. And, uh, you know, this is a little off topic here, but I, I don't know how how Nick or, or you um, kind of got brought up in the fire service, but I got in at 18 years old right out of high school, and I wanted to volunteer. And uh, so I did. And, you know, I, I did not really know what the hell I was doing. And I was relying on what I was being shown by the guys that had been there before me. I didn't really have any real mentors and I was just making fires. And I I thought I knew, I thought I knew some shit. I was like, yeah, man, we're going to pretty decent amount of fires, you know? And I'll tell you, it wasn't until I got trapped in a fire and I was all by myself where I had to pretty much get out. And I realized I really didn't know a damn thing. Right. That's when it changed for me when I was like, I have to go to training. I have to get, I have to get this knowledge from people who do this a hell of a lot more than me, who have more experiences uh, and and pass that on because, you know, I think we're getting better at it in the fire service, having mentorship. But at that point, I mean, you're talking about 2004. I didn't really have any direction and I'm just getting off the rig and I'm just doing what I think I need to do and getting it done. And that's a dangerous place to be, you know? So my question for you guys is, Have you had any similar experiences like that that really drove you when you decided, hey, I'm really passionate about this. You know, I've had I've had a lot of success, but I've also had a lot of failures. This is what I've learned. I need to share this with people. Is there is there a place in your career where where that light bulb kind of clicked for you where you're saying this is this is the direction I'm going to go because people need to hear this?
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it happened. In a bizarre way for me, I, I mean, I, I taught at the uh, local fire academy for years. Um, I'm actually down there, like we're using a facility to teach a recruit class. A lot of, a lot of good memories. Um, but I got, I got hurt real bad at work, real bad, and I was laid up. And um, I had, I, I was blinded, uh, so I, I wasn't able to use my phone. And when I finally got my phone, I was just like, you know, I was, you're laying in the hospital, you're, you're bored out of your fucking mind. So you can only watch the dynasty and, and One like to live so much and the price is right. Cause that's all it's on. You get like three channels. Right. So I'm just scrolling through my phone and I'm just like seeing information. I'm like, that's wrong. Like that's, that's so wrong. Like I've done what he's saying you can't do. Like I've done it. And you know, it just led to me bitching and moaning about it. And my wife was sitting there next to me, pregnant, like very pregnant. And um, you know, she's just like, like shut do something about it or shut up like i'm tired of hearing about it like you, you're starting to be annoying so i made an instagram post and that's basically how it started and then like it, it evolved and then i was like wow like people were like people are like people would shoot me like a dm and ask me about it. i'm like wow people are like interested in this and I, I just um what i've always i don't i don't like i i will openly admit that i'm a weird person because this is all i do like i don't have a hobby my hobby is firefighting i don't do anything else I love the Flyers. I like watching the Phillies. I like to drink. And that's basically it. So I mean, my family, of course, kids, events, all that shit, but this is all I do. I don't have, like, I don't turn this off. So, you know, it, it was, I just basically was able to take everything I do and just keep pushing it forward to, to somebody else for them to learn. And then like you, then like, I, I, I started making programs and I got out there and taught a little bit. And then like, I would teach and somebody would be like, hey, I used this at a fire and it worked. And I'm like, wow, that's amazing. That's absolutely amazing. Like, I, I, I sat there, you listened to me say something from my experience and you took it and applied it and it worked. That's awesome. And that feeling right there, that feeling is unbelievable that, that you were able to make a difference in somebody's fire, at their fire. Right. And I remember the guys who brought me up in the job and they made a difference at my fires and still do to this day. And how much I look up to those guys and just to to, to be um, in a position where I'm able to give information. And now that, you know, with social media, with our platform, how we're able to deliver it. And the dudes that work for me or with us, dude, the, I mean, I have more GoPros embedded than in places that, you know, people will love that GoPros embedded. And I'm able to take that footage and put it out there in a positive way. It, it's, it's amazing. It absolutely is. And the friendships you make and, the, you know, you leave your little world your little fire world that, that, you know, locally, and you get out there nationally going to conferences and talking to people. You don't have to be an instructor. You meet, you know,
2: participant and you meet them people and you know, you make a lot of great friendships. You really do. Oh yeah, for sure. And that's uh, I mean, that's a great way to put it. Right. Is uh, when you get those messages, you know, I, I can't speak for anybody else. I know for me, I'm, I'm really hard on myself. You know, I want to make sure it's right. And like, you know, when I get that criticism, it, it may not always be bad, but it's still like, man, all right, I, I really take that to heart, you know, and I, and I really think about it for a while before I do something different. And you get those messages and you're like, all right, right on. You know, this is this has made a difference in, in somebody's life. Uh, maybe they had a rescue. Maybe this tactic they chose was the difference between losing an entire building or just keeping it to, you know, the one or two rooms it was in, whatever the case is. That, that really brings it full circle. I don't think there's any amount of money in the world that can replace one of those messages that you get, you know? and Yeah.
1: I'm you know, I, i I'm with you on that. And, you know, I, I, I like to think that, you know, our niche in the fire service is more, I'm, it's definitely tactics. Like we, we, you know, we, we, like given our, our experience, but I feel like we, we, we try, we, certainly try to set up a positive atmosphere to learn in where you can build operational confidence. And I think, po- I think learning with positivity builds confidence and I think it breeds efficiency, you know, when, when, when it's done the right way. And I, I we, we really pride ourselves on that and we, we get a lot of female uh, attendees and we're, we're proud of that. Like that's, that's great. And, you know, a lot of their feedback is, you know, nobody, Take them serious when they go to any other place. And I find that extremely disheartening. I really do. Right. Cause I know some badass chicks that, that I would want on my nozzle, my house on fire. So I don't, right. you know, I, and I know some dudes that I don't want on the nozzle, my house on fire. So, <laughs> you know, I can't believe that we're still there at this age in the fire service, but you know, I, I'm, I, I'm proud that we're able to fall to that environment. And, you know, I have a lot of people to thank for that. You know, my, uh, my staff, uh, you know, and my wife, uh, Bryn, uh, Kate and Marlene that work for me, you know, they make sure that we, we pull out all the stops for everybody, man, for everybody. And I think that's I think that's something fire training is lacking hardcore. Uh, right. Right before I started my own business, right before I got hurt, I, I did go to like a, an open enrollment class and I, I left at lunch. I, I literally left at lunch. I was literally tired of hearing fire stories and, and being bossed around. I was like, this yep. is same for me, man.
2: Yeah, you're not in boot camp, right?
1: Yeah, I was it was gone. I was out. I was out. I, was, I hadn't I did not want
2: anything to do with it. Um yeah, I don't I don't tolerate that either. Uh one thing that I tell like all my instructors too is don't be a dick. All right, we're not here to yell and scream at anybody. I understand you got to put a certain level of stress on them, but they're here to learn. Don't belittle them. If I ever catch you doing that, you're done. You'll never teach with me again because that's not what we're about. We're here to upbuild people.
1: Right. Yeah, I I don't have to tell my guys that we have such a vetting process to work for us. It's kind of like a motorcycle club. So I, I don't I, like it, it's funny. Like we have like a sergeant at arms all nine yards. Like I don't. There's a lot of problems. I don't. I don't even don't even come to my level because we don't we don't let it in. So That's yeah, I, I agree, man. It's it, it's it's about the right person delivering the right message. But sure. then again, you know, like I got guys who just do engine stuff for me. They don't do truck stuff. They don't work in a truck. I got guys who just do truck stuff for me because they don't even know what a hose line looks like. So you know, it, it's it, it's it's like round pegs, round holes, man. It, sure. it really is. And you know, I got I got young kids that 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 stoke for me that you know want to instruct, but they're paying their dues now and get a little more experience, and they will instruct. Like it, it's it, it, it's it's it, it's a machine, man, and we just keep it going.
2: Absolutely. What you got, Nick? I know you got a story or something you need to share.
0: <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, I'm enjoying this. Um, you know, I think at the end of the day, you guys talk about learning environment and setting the tone. Um, you know, students are you know, in most cases, conferences, things like that. Students are paying to be there. Uh, they're there because they want to be. They want to learn. And I think back in my career of people that really made the biggest impact in me, you know, as a firefighter were the ones that took the time you know it's the, it's the approach right it's how they set the tone you know if, if if an instructor is trying to make themselves look better than everybody else and that, then that's the objective and you're just trying to belittle the students and make them, you know or, or yelling at them when they mess up or you know making them feel uncomfortable learning a lot of guys you know they just shut down right it's human nature when you're in that environment and you get made an example and you're, you know treated like shit or whatever and you know talk to you like you're You're, you know, six years old, you know, you're going (laughs) to, these are adults that are paying their money and and spending their time to be there. And there's a point where they're just going to turn you off as an instructor, right? Or an officer or a senior man or whatever. And so we have to, you know, we have to be mindful of how we approach the training environment because ultimately we should be fostering a positive environment where people are there to learn, you know, they they wouldn't be there if they had all the answers and had all the skills, Right they want to develop skills they want to get better they want to they want to be better at their craft and it's our job as instructors to build that environment that platform where it's okay if they make mistakes cuz we're going to go back and we're going to circle back around and figure out a way to you know correct that and fix that right or or you know make them understand why they're doing what they're doing right and a lot of it's that right once we set the expectation and we you know if if the plan is well developed they there should be a, a time where eventually that light bulb comes on. And for me, like as an instructor, that's one of the things that really drives and motivates me is seeing the light bulb come on. Right. Because I've had those moments when I've been on the receiving end where the light bulb comes on for me. And I had that patient instructor taking the time to explain things a little bit better or work with me on certain skill sets. Right. As instructors, we need to give that back. That's all we're doing. Right. We're, this is nothing new. What we're doing is nothing new. We're doing, you know, we're we're just the current generation passing the information on, but really and truly, you know, we're all built by somebody right other people invested in us somewhere along the way and and helped us in good you know good experiences and bad experiences right you take those bad ones and say i don't want to be like that and you take the good ones and say man like that really helped me and as instructors like if if you're really passionate about teaching and really passionate about making the fire service better then that has to be your motivation right to have those aha moments to, to kind of drive you know that extra effort, if you will, to make the student really more proficient, more effective at what they're doing. And, you know, I don't know for me, like I said, that's, that's kind of what got me going was I, I took some of the stuff that uh, I got a couple opportunities in my career to teach. And I realized how much I enjoyed the students, you know, feedback and, and I learned from them too, right? We're, we're, we're talking and sharing experiences. And I realized early on how much was lacking maybe from some of these, cookie cutter programs that you know we we talked about the uh put some of those sometimes it's very generic um and and you know after a couple classes like the students like yeah we really appreciate you interjecting some stuff that is actually applicable to our locale right our situation um and even this podcast man make do suburban fireman podcast was built around the premise of let's be honest like most of us aren't running four or five six dudes on a truck the reality of it is in most apartments, two, three guys, that's it. And you may not have somebody rolling out of the house with you. You may be two, three, even five, 10 minutes before you get a second due. So, you know, being able to adapt to the situation that you're in as an instructor and realize that not everybody operates in the same bubble that you operate in. And Bobby, you touched on this a little bit ago, you know, out of your, your, circle, if you will, your bubble in the fire service and going out to other conferences and taking classes and talking to other people and networking, because that's really where you grow. That's where you really and truly, in my opinion, one of the best things about what's happening in the fire service today with all the the training opportunities and conferences is that we get out of our bubble, we get out of our comfort zone, and we rub shoulders with people who are maybe in a different spot than we are in the fire service, right? You know, like I said, it could be that, that department that has one station that's covering 50 square miles with six people, right? It could be, you know, I'm rubbing shoulders with a guy that's got an engine truck in almost every other house and has got, you know, 12 people on shift, you know, or out of their firehouse. I mean, there's a vast difference between those two. But ultimately, we have the same objective of putting the fire out, hopefully putting the fire out and, and searching for victims, getting the victims out, right? There's still certain tasks that have to be done at every fire. And we have to, as instructors, realize that, you know, we have to figure out how to teach to the people that we're talking to, right? So if this person operates on a two-man engine, it's not realistic to put them on a hose line with six guys. It's not, I, it's I, not, it's not doing, it. you know, that's, that's, that's not helping them any.
1: I, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more with you. And, you know, it, it's one of my beasts when I taught fire one, I teach fire one and they, they, the burns or be like, you know, squad four has eight guys in it and they're a ladder company. I'm like, what? Well, ladder company has eight guys on it. Like this isn't 1936. They're hanging off the side of the rig. Like I don't – like what, what, what are you teaching them? What, uh, you know, they just got to hit the JPR. Oh, okay. Well, if right. they're hitting the JPR, then uh, fuck it, right? I, it's – yeah, I agree with you, man. I, and I think I think consistency is key, you know, in teaching. I think consistency is key in the firehouse. I think consistency is key, especially if you're in a leadership position, or a company officer position. You know, I could tell you one of the hardest things about my job professionally – as fire officers is being consistent and being the same person all the time. I'm I'm definitely not that person at home, but I am there because, you know, it, it there's, there's definitely a flow and a a, 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 like a backbone that is dependent upon me being that person. So, you know, if I'm not that person and then the whole thing's deviated.
2: Absolutely. Is- and I <laughs> I, I kind of want to backtrack a little bit, cause you touched on something that, uh, you're talking about paying your dues, right. And, um, I think that's important. You know, there's a lot of people that for whatever reason uh, they want to skip that process and take that express elevator to the top for whatever that, that reason is. I, I don't know, but I will tell you this, even, even with me starting out that way, you know, I, I stoked smoke barrels for a long time or I was resetting fires or, or whatever, just cause I wanted to be there. Right. I just, I just want to be part of, of the, the training that was going on and learn from these guys who, who are true badasses in our profession. And, you know, so you learn that and you you make your way up. And that's what I would urge anybody who's listening, who who wants to instruct or anything like that is it's not beneath you. You know, when you get an assignment, like if someone's like, yeah, man, come on, let's go. If they're like, hey, I just, I need you to run water, or I need you to just, you know, chuck pallets, whatever it is. Take that with pride, man, because that's an important part of of what's going on too. And you're going to learn a lot. Just be glad that you're there with with everybody. And, uh, you know, I've been I've been in the job for 17 years now. And I'll tell you, even when I teach and and I'm out doing these things, I will always sneak away and find myself stoking the smoke barrel or, or stoking the fire or whatever like that. Because I don't want to forget where I came from because it is so vital and important to becoming a good instructor and educator.
1: Yeah, I don't. I don't disagree with you. You know, I, I think um, you know for for what we do. You know, there, there are there are a few guys that that uh, that just stoke, and that's what they want to do. Um, you know, uh, the guy Tom Arningstall, who works for me, um, he's unbelievable what, what he can do with, with with hay and pallets, and that's his jam, and that's what Tom does. And he, and he builds a lot of our custom props. You know, he had a, he had a hand in because he's he, he's he's a master craftsman. But you know, there's there are a few guys that stoke for me that I know that's not what they always want to do. But I, I they get paid, we take care of them. But you know, they know that they're working up to something, and to have dudes show up and work their ass off for something that has my father's name on it, and it, it's it's just a truly humble experience all around because you know it goes to the greater good. You know of I. I I was sitting on the couch the other night and just we had like an instructor picture. We always forget to get one. I'm talking like we always forget to get one. <laughs> yes, um, we, too. We, we finally got one and I was looking at him like, dude, like we we literally like created this. You know, this wasn't me. There was a lot of people involved in this. And just I sent it, like in a group chat like, like look, look, what we, what we fucking just like oh we did. <laughs> you know, like we, we did this and it, it, it was awesome. It, it really was. And, you know, it, it, we've it's just cool to see things evolve. And, you know, if you if you're evolving, you got to evolve with the trends of the fire service and things that are happening out there. You got to stay hip, as you know, to to all information and be, and be ready to go when people challenge you, which is going to happen. You know? well, I and, love it, though.
2: I love when that happens.
1: Uh, I do when I don't. Um, you know, when people challenge me and I know who they are and I know they're just being an asshole or I know the thing they're challenging me on, they don't do it their job
2: sure
1: like come on man you know like what are you doing you're just being a dickhead but that's cool man if that's what you want to be Um, yeah i don't don't
2: like that either um the challenges that i do like getting is when you get thrown that curveball question that's maybe not in your presentation or maybe it's not a skill that you're teaching um like for example we were just doing this search class in ohio and we were focusing on primary search of the first floor and you know it's a two-story house and one of the students is like hey so when i come across these stairs Am I going straight up? And I, I told him, I said, listen, I won't be there on this fire with you. I can't make that decision for you. I can give you my personal view. Have you cleared the primary the sec, or the first floor yet? No. Stick to the objective, right? If you come across the stairs, see if there's another crew that you could send up there. Maybe it's through the window or maybe they're coming through the front door and taking that. But you take up those stairs, right, and you miss a victim that's six, seven feet down the hallway, that's time. That's time that they're still sitting there, and and you may not ever get back to find them, right? So yeah,
1: sure. I mean, it's it, you know, it's it's one thing I love about firefighting. Uh, it's it's all situational. So, right. you know, yeah, I, it, it depends on the house. It depends on the it depends on the visibility. It depends on the fire location. Where's the hose line? Is Absolutely. the hose going the fire? Is there, is there compartmentation? Are you able to use compartmentation to aid in your search? There's so many. There's so many variables that go into that question, and those are the questions I I, I do enjoy. And you know. Again, like I can go down a rabbit hole on one question for twenty five minutes. If, if, you know, if I start thinking yeah, about it, sure. but yeah, it's it's one of the cool things about being in uh, the recruit class. They got really good questions, like really yeah. good questions. Like a couple of them, like, dude, I got to get back to you because I don't know the answer.
0: I
2: walk down and talk to
1: the chief and ask him, I, I don't know. You know, so but that's good.
2: I mean, yeah, we're not supposed to have all the answers. You know what I mean? No,
1: no, 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 no. And uh, you know, it, it's it's cool and. You know, it's one of the, it's one of the cool things about like, especially if you get a, if you're a senior firefighter or you're an company officer or even like you're a mid-range firefighter and, and you get a probationary firefighter assigned you, you know, if you take the time to, to, to chew their ear and talk to them and and, and get to know them and and, and get hit to some of their questions, they do have some good shit. And everybody right. kind of learn from, and some of it's funny as hell. Some of it's, oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's, it's some good the, shit.
2: The best questions are the ones that stop and make you think, and you're like, oh shit, you know yeah. what? I, I've never one, I've either A never done that, or B, I, I don't really know what to tell you because that that's a pretty fucking deep question. <laughs> you know? Yeah.
1: I, it's funny, the and the kid's on the job and he's good. He's he's a good kid, but his first fire he looked at me, he's like, We're going in there. I'm like, Yeah, we're going. We're going in <laughs> there. Let's go, man. He was like, yeah. I'm like, Come on, you'll be fine. We we'll do this all the yeah.
2: time. Oh yeah. No, it's it's good. Yeah. It's about building confidence though. Sure. You know, and that sure. that's what I want whenever we're out. Um or anybody who's teaching that, that's, that should be your goal. Build confidence because absolutely, um, like what I told the students this past weekend was, listen, this is not a scary thing. Don't make it a scary thing. The fact that you hesitate, that's where you start getting yourself like mentally jammed up, right? Have a plan, create a plan and go with it and change it as needed. Right. If you're in there right. and things change. like,
1: So, so, so you, you doing the search,
2: um, as much as you do,
1: do you find that when you introduce that level, and I'm talking, I'm not talking zero visibility, I'm talking levels of zero visibility, right? So like right. when you introduce that level of zero visibility where it's actual warm smoke, do you find that your class has just shifted in a different direction when you have somebody who isn't that confident?
2: So that's a great question because – we did the drill. I, I usually try and do the drill with, with their vision first. I like that whole like crawl, walk, run approach. Sure. So I let them do it with their vision. And then I ask them, Hey, how was that? Like, are you tired? And if they tell me, no, I said, then you didn't do it right because search is one of the most taxing things on the fire ground. You should be fucking exhausted right now. Right. And they're like, okay. So they run it again. We'll put it with like theatrical smoke, you know, and they'll say, well, you know, I'll find out later if it works when it when we have like true zero viz and i always check on the students like hey are you making progress you feel confused like what's going on and and what i found is most of the time because we spend like i hate time constraints like when someone's like hey we got to do this in an hour and a half i'm like yeah go pound sand like i'll take as long as it needs because that's what these these students need from me right um so Spending that time and like catching up on them and, and just seeing how they're doing, you see their confidence build. And, and the what I usually get as an answer is that was that was actually not as hard as I thought it was going to be. I was pretty comfortable because they had that built in the whole time. So built, you
1: know? the build up is, is your yeah. It's yeah. I, I, it's a question I've been asking a lot of people um, that teach because you know you just see so many different levels of. Well, I mean, first off, SCBA confidence. Think about that. I mean, you, you see so many people with, with their breathing apparatus not on the same level, and it, it, it's tough to to get everybody acclimated, you know, on that level. Um, but, yeah, I, I just was just wondering that.
2: Yeah, no, that's a great question because I, uh, I've seen it both ways. You know, I've seen the students that are like, yeah, yeah, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, because they, for whatever reason, don't want to be honest with themselves, and you get them in there. And you're looking at them you know through the thermal imager because it's i mean you can't see shit, right and you tap them on the shoulder and you're like hey stop what you're doing so you just miss an entire room back there and and you're going super slow and you're not taking the stance that that you were shown how to take to do this efficiently go do it again yeah yeah. and then they'll do it again and then they'll get a little further and you'll start to see where the their mind starts shifting because they get tired they start getting down to their hands and knees and going slow again you're like hey fix yourself and at the end of the day, they usually come up and they're like, "Hey, thank you for that," because nobody has ever taken the time to stop me and make me do it again. Right? Usually, they they just say, "Okay, that was good," because they got more students to push through, and um, they wind up usually saying that, uh, you know, that having that reset moment and actually being able to do it gives them like that that mental fortitude to say, "Okay, I can't make this mistake again," so they're more focused on, on what the actual, or the actual evolution is at that yeah. point, rather than just going through the motions, you know?
1: Sure. Yeah. That's, I mean, it's, I think it's important. I mean, I know from running our, our taking streets, you know, I got to put a time constraint on, on the station. So it's, it's, um it's trying to get that, that, that level yeah. of, you know, instruction at certain levels. And, you know, sometimes we, we, we do great. Sometimes, we don't do great. You know, it, right. a lot of it is out of our hands like weather. We, we we've we've really burnt every weather condition there possibly is. So it seems yeah. like mother nature is always fucking with us when we're doing that. But <laughs> it always like that, know. dude. In Ohio yeah, it, it was
2: raining, it sleeting and snowing. Happening yeah, on all day. It is like world. crazy. But yeah. uh yeah, you know, with, with the time constraints, we do that too. You know, but I what I try and do is keep the students to uh to a max of 24. That way I can break them up in nice small groups and they can get lots of sets and reps. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, there's usually only like six of us out there.
1: Uh, yeah. So
2: I and try I got not like to 30 over... guys
1: and like 90. It's what we do.
2: Yeah. But I mean, well, we do smaller you're...
1: things, but that's like our big hurrah.
2: Yeah. Well, we for FD, FDIC,
1: we're scaled back.
2: Yeah. So. For sure. Yeah. Cause you got to, you got to keep them moving. Right. Yeah.
1: we I mean, we have 55 a day at FDIC, um, yeah.
2: which is. <laughs> next week. I can't believe it, dude. Well, I, I will tell you this. Uh, we don't always make our time constraints either when we have them. That's why they frustrate me because in my mind, like it's all important. I want to do as much as I can. And you find out really quickly whether either somebody needs more coaching or they, the question. Well, so that's what
1: we're doing with, uh, with FDIC where we, we, I only, there's only six rotations. I'm sorry, seven rotations and um, 55 students. And we, we have eight and a half hours.
2: Oh, that's so yeah.
1: okay. It's going to work. It'll be like an hour and 30 minutes of rotation. So it's with groups of like six. So
2: it's going to be perfect. Oh, that's easy. Yeah, that's not yeah. bad. We had like literally like 17. It was me and one other instructor. And they're like, you got 17 students. You got an hour. I'm yeah, like, am yeah. shit. All right. Well, we'll do the best we can, you know. But uh, yeah, so that brings us into the other topic I kind of wanted to talk about. And I know you know like to talk about yourself so i apologize but okay. uh we we kind of touched on fdic i know i'll be there doing uh my searchable survival lecture <clears throat> nick's going to be there doing uh, one of his lectures um why don't you tell us a little bit about well, what you're going to be doing in, in your hands on class there at fdic yeah
1: well first, uh, first i have a lecture I, I this is my second time being invited back to fdic and i have to thank um you know chief Halton and diane ginger uh Diane and Ginger probably want to kill me um, right about now, but uh, you know we got we're, we're we're from Jersey, so you know we got that love for each other. But um, yeah, so I'm doing uh, my building instru- my idiot Scott, well, my guide to building instruction um, lecture, and then our hands-on class is fire tactics for limited staffing. So it's basically seven rotations from uh, engine. So you're gonna get our stretching through obstacles, you're gonna get um uh everything, it's like an everything search class. So you're gonna search VES, you're gonna do a regular search and hose line off the hose line, you're gonna search with a can, um, you know, isolation, stuff like that. Uh, well, I've never seen the building, I've only seen pictures of it too. So there's that. Um, you're gonna get our flips class, which is our fire behavior class, you're gonna get our force blancher class. Um and you're going to get our roof prop or our vertical ventilation class. And then you're going to get, um, the, the down firefighter rescue and removal with, with the help of the the fellows from fast. So what you get down firefighter CPR in as well, which I think every firefighter should get that entry level in, uh, in the fire Academy. I, I really do. That's a, it, it, uh, it's an unbelievable. It's a, I mean, you, you know, as an EMT, you know, the first thing you do with somebody's down, get your chest compression. So yeah, that's the class. Um, you know, from from being out there and teaching and being out there in the volunteer world, you know, I, I am a life member of a volunteer fire company. So, you know, I, I've done that. I understand that, you know, sometimes you're only rolling out with so many people. And I always think of the person who invented two and in, two out. I don't know who his name is or her name is, but how you doing if you're out there? Um, I wonder when you thought of that, did you think of when the people are trapped inside, if the two people outside have to face a locked door to get inside and they don't know how to use a fucking halligan tool? Are those two out people worth something? No, they're not. Sorry. I just no, I had, no, to, had I'm had glad to, you brought that up, man. had, <laughs> to, had to bash two and two out, because I fucking yep. can't stand it because I think it's worthless to yep. and it, it's 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 totally totally a waste of time because there are situations where one or I've been on many fires where one firefighter's made a difference. Where one firefighter oh, made absolutely. a difference. Absolutely. So you know, we're gonna let you operate with one to two firefighters in a comfortable manner for you to build operational confidence and we're going to have some really good fires. You know, the engine is going to work basement fires. It's going to work bedroom fires. It's going to work first floor fires, second floor fires. And you're going to stretch through a lot of obstacles to get there. And, you know, we're going to put two and a half in play. We're going to put industry quarter in play. And, you know, there's really nothing uh, off limits. We're bringing all our own equipment, which is exciting. I'm building all my own prop. Well, it's not exciting. It's actually, uh has my anxiety level up to here uh because i'm driving 11 hours out there with my trailer and all my shit but i'd rather bring my own stuff because i know it works
2: for sure yeah and i I love that fact that you brought up two and two out because i hit it pretty hard in my class too and uh one of the things is like it drives me crazy because if you start actually like digging through it and you go on osha's website and you start pulling out like all this information it contradicts itself so many times can and i it's, it, I'm, it, it's i'm shocked to hear that it it yeah <laughs> right the the thing about it for me the biggest kicker is you know i'm pretty analytical so when i when i form my viewpoint on something i want all the facts like i that i don't make uh, opinions based off of what somebody tells me like i need to know the facts and i started researching through uh, project mayday and everything else and which now they're Gosh, there are over twelve thousand maydays that they've evaluated, and even they prove that two and two out doesn't work because either they're not properly trained, right? They don't show up with the right equipment, they don't have the right tools, they don't have a plan. You want to um, you,
1: you want to be prepared for a mayday? Carry one of these, Yeah. Aaron <laughs> Anderson yeah. Rescue Solution Multi Loop Strap. Because I guarantee the person who is mayday on your on the fire floor, you can literally pull this out of your pocket, deploy, it, and do something when you're around them. Oh yeah. This, this is the, this is your two and two out right here. This thing right here, every firefighter in the world should have one of these also. And I'm telling you right now, it's fucking bullshit that people still buy into it. It's bullshit.
2: It's it crazy. Absolutely- I mean, I, I think it's killing people more than it's helping. If, if we're going to put in our mission statements, like uh, life is priority, then then let's not be hypocrites and do the stuff we need to do. And from, from my standpoint, I don't want two guys outside when I'm in a building. I want them inside with me because statistically should something happen, the safest place for them to be is inside to come get my ass out.
1: Period. 74% of uh, fire gun injuries happen on the exterior of the building.
2: Crazy how that works, right? It's a fact. So it's, I, an, it's,
1: it's an NFPA stat. I know some people don't like to believe it. You know, it's the same people reading the blue cards and doing whatever the fuck else it is they do. I don't know. Uh, probably drinking Diet Cokes and not whiskey, but um, you know, when I was studying for battalion chief, I found that fact out. I'm like, this is wrong. This has got to be wrong. I'm like, this is wild. I'm like, holy shit. There's a stat that a stat that actually backs up all the bullshit that I'm I'm, I'm trying I'm trying to spew towards NFPA's way, and, and actually they put a stat out <laughs> to back me up. I feel bad now, but uh, you know, like I'm there. I am bashing them, and they they got a stack the stat that helps me. But uh, no, it, it's um, it, it's a fact, yeah. and. Well. You know, here, so here I was sitting the FAST team or the RIT team or the Rick team or whatever the fuck you call them. I don't know. Yeah, whatever matter, right? whatever acronym you're using this week. I think about last summer. I don't know, you know, in New Jersey, South Jersey last summer, like the second week of July was like Botswana, Sierra Sierra Desert hot. Like you opened the door and it felt like you were in an oven. So I remember working that week and I'm like, dude, I'm like <sighs> <laughs> drinking water, it's so hot. Put my gear on. I'm like, this fucking sucks. So I think about that day when I think about rapid intervention and I think about the rapid intervention crew and let's just say there's a working fire and let's just, it's, it's a, it's a great world. And there's four firefighters in the rapid intervention team. And let's just say they're proactive. They got there. They, there was only three sides of building ladders. They put a ground ladder up. They removed the bar. They forced the door. And then they go over to the command post when they bring their Stokes baskets down through all through full of all the pre-packed equipment that they probably haven't ran out. There's memory in the rope, but anyway, they're there. Okay. It's the heat index is 142 degrees. They're standing there with their full turnout gear on, SCBA, all their tools. Their fucking shoulders are killing them. Their waist is killing them. They're checking out the EMS chicks. They're not involved in the situation. All right. 35 minutes in the situation, there's a medical emergency on the third floor where they need to deploy the RIT team. How worthwhile is the RIT team? They're
2: not. None. Now They're they got to go find your ass, right? They're
1: worthless. Yeah. And that's how the fire service goes to RIT. Because, and I'll tell you this, I just had this conversation with two people in the last 48 hours. One of them was my father. I'm going to be 40 years old. I'm going to be 40 years old in January. My wife's actually going to be 40 years old on Friday. She's going to be old. But anyway, my generation is not getting their dues. And I'm not saying I want to be one of these guys. I'm saying there's just guys in my generation that I see they should be chiefs. But they're not because there's these old guys that are still in the job that do not want to leave. And they buy into all this bullshit. They buy into two and two out. They buy into to, to, to the blue card system. They buy into this. They buy into that because the people that are pushing it are names that they can recognize or, or associations or systems that they can recognize. And they're like, you said, oh, it's ISTA. Well, it's good. Is it? Because ISTA is fucking trash. It's trash. And the people writing ISTA don't care anything about the information they put out there. Go look at the building and suction chapter right now go to type three ordinary and there's a picture of a type two non-combustible building. Sorry. I went on a rant.
2: No dude. I love it. It's, it's perfectly fine. That's what this, that's what this podcast is all about, right? Like bring in realism. You asked me about my FDIC class, class, class and I just fucking bashed blue card. <laughs> <laughs> dude. So here's going to be the, here's going to be the hard part for me. Like we're, we're all firemen, right? So we're just talking, um, curbing that for FDIC. So I, I don't say something I'm not supposed to, that that's going to be a tough one, but, uh, yeah, no, man, I, I love everything about that because, you know, the thing is, if we're talking about time, not just time for our civilians, like when we find them or remove them, but time for, for you and I as firefighters, right? Hey, um, it's quicker for you to get me if you're already operating the building and you know where the fuck I am, right? If you're not listening and now you're panicked and you're doing what we teach, like follow this hose line or follow the wall or whatever, dude, by the time you get to me, I'm going to be out of fucking air. Thanks you know, a lot. You need to be no good. It's not even, it's not even
1: that, like, you know, like I said, the down firefighter CPR, like why is the rip bag out on the front lawn? Right. Why, why is the rip bag like in the stairwell? Yeah. I, you I, ever, again, I'm just, I, I, here I am just thinking, right? Like my wheels are turning, but like I need, so I, I, I literally drug a down firefighter to a position where I need, he's out of air. I don't have enough air to give them out of my system. I, I can't EBSS them because I'm, I'm about, my viral alerts about ready to go up But this motherfucker needs air. So what do I do? Oh, I got to wait for the rip bag. That's past two cop cars in, in, in the cold zone over, you know, a glacier of ice Hill that was just plowed of snow. Like it's, it, you see what I'm saying? Like it, it's just, it's so counterproductive to the person that's trapped, but it is then again, you know, who cares? Because We've always done it this way. Yeah. Oh.
2: Famous okay. last words, right?
1: Well, I mean, talk to anybody who's rescued a down firefighter. Talk to anybody. Their, their, their synopsis on writ it will be eye-opening. And the one of the saddest parts about it is most people I know that are rescued down firefighter won't come on here and talk about it. Right. I mean, and that's their business. I'm not gonna push them into doing it, but have a conversation with them over a cup of coffee or or a cocktail. And, and listen to them, and you're going to be like, wow, everything we do at RIT is wrong. It's absolutely yeah. wrong. And, you know, you, you just sit there and be wild about it. If the fire's on the second floor, why can't the RIT team be on the first floor?
2: Well, that's a great point. If the fire's and, uh, on the
1: third floor, why can't the RIT team be on the second floor?
2: It makes sense. If, you talk if the fire's in David- the base, why
1: can't the RIT team be right, on the, right right by the front door getting ready to cut a with, with power tools getting ready to cut a hole in the floor?
0: We do it for higher. Think of you got a fire on the tenth floor. Where does RIT go?
1: Wow, wow! And it's probably what a promotional concert. test question, isn't it? Boom! Yeah. It's crazy. It, well, because it it's crazy. up, it's RIT is fucked up, and it, and it's gonna be, it's gonna, be, it's gonna continue to be fucked up because people won't give it its due. You got your fastboard hat on. Eric Allen to me has solved seventy five percent of the RIT problem. Solved it. It's solved. It's a solvable problem now. Okay. The, the other, the other 20, the other, you know, you know, Tim Anderson solved some of the rip problems. Okay. There's, there, there's products out there that you could put in firefighters hands. But the biggest problem is, is the mindset of people that make decisions in the fire service. They're so out of touch with the fire grounds. They're so out of touch. Oh, yeah. Like when's the last time you made a hallway? When's the last time you've been on a work in fire? And then you show up and you know you just think it's oh they're doing great well because nothing happened. You just you decide to show up on the one day where you know you didn't see anything go bad. You know, think of every close call you've been to. I mean, I've been I've walked out I've been like oh my god, I can't believe, I just can't believe that happened. You know, and who wants to have those? But right. yeah, you learn from them but it's it's not the way to learn. I don't know yeah, the whole thing I actually My fire guard considerations program, I have an anti-ret slide in there, and I go on like a fucking tangent. i can can engaged by like the fire cheese in the room from pissing them off, so I keep going harder.
2: (laughs) Well, I mean, it's a conversation that has to happen, right? And uh, Nobody wants to have it, Sean. Nobody Nobody wants to to have it. it. They do not want to
1: have it because they want to talk about lightweight wood frame. They want to talk about collapse, 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 collapse. Collapse happen. Collapse happen. Sometimes sometimes there's no warning sign. And if you know building instruction, guess what? An inward outward collapse leaves no warning sign. There's no warning sign at all. It, they happen. That's the,
2: the collapse is gonna happen whether we show up or happen. not. It it's, it's gonna, gonna happen in reality. You know, and, and I was uh I was in Indiana. Um I think no, it wasn't Indiana. I think it was uh, Illinois. Anyway, one of those places. Um and I was teaching with uh, Mo Davis, and he was talking about how when he's in command of fires, he puts the uh, secondary line in place. That secondary line is is what he quotes as the RIT line. That's his RIT team. Not only are they there to keep an eye on conditions, should shit get out of control, they grab that line, and they start putting water on the fire and guys de the building. But they're keeping an eye on all the crews operating on that floor. So, right, so
1: I, I've had that same conversation with Chief Mo, and when he told me that, I had to sit down. I couldn't. I'm like <laughs> – this is fucking amazing,
2: right? Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's,
1: think about it. Honestly, sit there and think about it. You're, you're, you're taking a proactive step to something on the interior, right? So like you're putting eyes, I'm sorry, I cut you off too, but you're putting eyes on the interior. Wouldn't you want your routine to be that?
2: I I would think so. I mean, yeah. if I had the choice, I would say yes, every single time, you know, you're not only putting eyes on guys that are operating the building, you're keeping on conditions and you're ready to go right then. So should something happen immediately, you got more personnel there to to mitigate that rather than having to wait for the assholes in the front yard, not paying attention to get their shit together and then come try and figure out what the hell's actually going on. Right. So um, I know we went off on a tangent. I want to kind of give Nick an opportunity to talk about what he's going to be doing at FDIC um, as well. So go ahead, Nick.
0: Oh, no, I was enjoying it. Honestly, um, you know, as far as my class, it's uh, kind of shifting gears a little bit, uh, left seat tips and tactics. The original class that I kind of hit the road with, I guess you could say, Um, but basically street, uh, street proven, you know, kind of real world stuff that works for drivers, man. Stuff that's stuff that I wish that I would have been taught. You know, I took the uh, 40 hour IFSTA apparatus and hydraulics courses, you know, the state requires in Florida and you know did a little evoc course and some basic in-house stuff it was like boom you're good go drive and i found out pretty quickly that uh there was a, a whole lot lacking in that information while it was a good you know it was a good baseline i guess you could say it was good overall information there was a lot of stuff that was lost in translation stuff that like wait a minute this isn't what i learned in, you know in, in class and and quite honestly i I was I wasn't ready to be behind the wheel when I got thrown behind the wheel. Just small department. And they're like, you gotta you gotta be cleared to drive. So in six months I learned how to drive. And like in month like six or you know, seven, you know, probably a week or two after being cleared, um, we had a we had a four-alarm fire. We were first due. And I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> like they're turning. They're calling the city to turn the water towers on yeah, to like every boost pressure.
1: Gallon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, dude, it
0: was it was it was stupid. It was yeah. pandemonium. And You're I was ba- like, yeah. bro, You're, I felt so. You got a vacuum? We need
1: more water? Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. 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 It, was, it was one of those fires, so yeah. I was like, holy like, shit, I need to know more. So I I felt so like just just overwhelmed in the moment. I Got through it. I how I don't know. It was a blur. I got through it, but. The reality of it is, over the course of the next couple of years, you know, driving out of class and then you know getting promoted to driver and moving into that you know primary driver role, um, you know that was a that was a big eye opener, and I realized real quick that I was lacking a lot of stuff, and I learned a lot of stuff the hard way, and so I started picking the brains of guys that like I respected in that position, and I started kind of writing down some of my failures along the way or some of the things that I've learned, some some tricks and tips and things that kind of just made the job better and more effective and and, and more heads up and, you know, started writing things down that made more sense, you know, that just, like, how to connect the dots, so to speak. I've and been so, a lot or- of,
1: I've been in a lot of uh, fire apparatus accidents, not, like, major. I, I, I And I, I never, when I was a driver, always, when I'm, like, the officer, like, you know, like I always, when I get a guy to drive, I always make him sit in my seat, like in a parking lot. Sure. And just like, like yo, dude, this is what it's like over here. I don't have a break yeah. either. Like I don't, right. I, can't, I can't stop this rig if I oh, want yeah. to. And like you, you were you were so close to that car. No, I wasn't. Like bro, I bet I couldn't even <laughs> fit a, a paper between you and that car. And you're
0: like this. Oh yeah, dude! It's it. It is the the driver position is one of the most overlooked. People want to skip over it and go. You know, they firemen and they're like, oh, I got you know. In a lot of departments, this is a promoted position, so like I got to do this if I want to make lieutenant or captain or whatever. And it doesn't get enough love. It doesn't get you know. But unsung hero on the fireground, hands down. Because here's the thing: really great driver operators, nobody talks about them because shit goes smooth. The only ones that get talked about are the ones that are screwing up, right? The sure. ones that hit stuff, the ones that you know, those are the guys they usually promote. Yeah,
1: get, get them out of the seat, man.
0: <laughs> They're hitting too much shit. We got to promote them, but uh, but you know, the guys that are messing up, you guys are running out of water. You know, that's the only time you notice a bad, you know, a driver is when things go wrong. But you know, so the my, my thing is like, look. I just want to pass on some of the stuff that I learned the hard way. Some of the things that I've learned from other guys that are, you know, veteran dudes that really just made the job a lot better. I was very passionate in that position. Like that was a position I was like, I want to be, you know, if I'm going to be in this job, you know, position, I have all this responsibility of, driving the 60,000 pound apparatus to the calls and, you know, getting these guys water and make sure that, you know, they have equipment and all this kind of stuff, you know, being the right hand man to the officer. And I talk a lot about all that stuff, man, but really the gist of the class is, you know, anticipation and facilitation. Those are the two words that I hammer over and over and over in that class because that's what drivers do, right? They anticipate needs and they get ahead of, you know, the, I, as an officer, you should be able to turn around and be like, "Hey, I need a oh here it is a good driver is anticipating that need. Hey, they're going to need hooks. This thing's in the attic. Hey, you know what? They're probably going to need you know X Y Z tool because we're doing this operation. That's one of the biggest things to you just teach driving. the
1: uh, The best driver I the best fire or best ladder truck driver I know. He's actually uh, a cat. He's a rescue captain of my group now. Um, when he drove the tower ladder and we have rows, we're all like, we're, we're row house USA. So, sure. you know, he would always, before he got his gear on or like his air pack on and went to work, he would take an acolyte, not a duo safety, an acolyte 35 by himself. Nice. Okay. So that's the heavier ladder. If you don't know the 35 by himself to end of the row and throw it to the roof, just in case we went there and put two souls right to the bottom of the roof, just sure. in case we went to the roof.
2: Yeah. No, your, I mean, it's... your driver was doing proactive writ. No, oh he God. was doing
1: proactive uh, ladder work. Like you now, just No, no, no. That's not right. That's what we're going to the roof. That's what
0: we're going on the roof. Yeah, yeah no. Uh, no what was, was,
1: way to fuck with me. I got you.
0: No, I tell, <laughs> I tell you, man. It's a, it's, it's one of those things, though. I mean, really, think about it. All the best drivers you know are one step ahead, right? They they know what the officers are going to need. They know what the crew is going to need. They know what the scene is going to need. They're anticipating those needs, yeah. and they're facilitating. They're the facilitators on the fire ground. I agree they're the ones it. that that's are great. getting equipment, that are getting water, that are getting I – mean, Les. What day is your class, Nick? Uh, Friday the 29th.
1: I got. I'm there, dude. I'm there.
0: Hell yeah, man. If yeah, I Bring, no, cold, I'm bring it, man. I'm just kidding. Bring, it, it. A bring crack a cold one, dude.
1: Joke. It's a
0: joke. <laughs> you can bring some truck stuff too. It's cool. You know. Yeah, man. I got love for the truck. So, but no. Yeah. But anyway, in in a nutshell, that's it, man. It's just that's awesome. That's, awesome. that's a good shit. topic, man. It
2: really is. Seriously. Thank you. No, the the thing I want to bring out, I had to fuck with Bobby for a second there. Um, <laughs> being proactive. That should be everybody's responsibility. I don't care what you're doing, you know, and, and, you know, especially like if we're going to keep the two guys in the front yard, just sitting there, man, throw ladders, soften the building, like do some shit because the guys that are actually in there working might need that. Right. And you're just sitting there pulling levers. or You're just sitting there watching the fire. You're not doing anything, you know, like that's not contributing to the fire ground. So I think when there's a need, something needs to be done. Like, why are we waiting for someone else to do it? Just, just fucking do what needs to get done. Yeah, you know?
0: dude. The, so first, the first 10 minutes of any fireground, the driver operator should be the busiest dude on the fireground, Hands down, they should be moving. Whether it's, if, you know, if you're on an engine chauffeur, get, get a second line out, man. Even if you just laid on the ground, get a line, get, you know, water supply, get, you know, if you need scene lighting, if you need tools, if you need, you know, whatever, you should be moving constantly the first you shouldn't even stop for the first 10 there's
1: minutes a nick there's a good video and you might have already seen it i might be telling you something you already know it's uh it's out of philadelphia uh it's engine 25 and uh it's Sky Fox. they're hovering over uh, a row house fire and uh engine 25 uh pulls up first i think they I, the, the story i was told they were at a food shop and they, like we're told about it and then they filled the box when they got there and uh you can actually google it or youtube it it's kensington philadelphia house fire and uh watch the chauffeur he yeah. works, man. He's got the line oh, off. Yeah. As soon as the line's off, he's got it flaked out in line with the objective. As soon as that's done, he's got the water's plot and he's fucking going, man. And it's just—it's a really good video for to, to if you're a pump operator. I show that video in so many. There's so many takeaways in that video that are multiple facets and for fire around. Uh, you know, t- talking about it, but um, it's a great video.
0: Well, Dude, I mean, think about it. You know, what happens if your driver, you know, doesn't position correctly, right? What happens if you, you know? You're sitting there. How many, how many guys have been on a hose line? And all of a sudden, it's like the, the line goes limp because they ran out of water and no one even notified them that they're about to run out of water, or whatever. All that stuff at the end of the day, like it makes or breaks the operation. And like I said, you know, good, good chauffeurs, good drivers should be, be you know, kind of honed in on all that stuff and, and understand those timelines and what needs to happen when and the priorities of, of the mission, if you will. Uh, but it's not just drivers. Like Sean said, I mean, everybody on the fire ground needs to, you know, be kind of heads up like don't get in a little tunnel where you don't know what's going on around you like look you know if you look over and say hey you know what I just told that they had a victim on you know division two and there's no ladders to division two hey maybe i should grab a ladder on the way up to the house to do whatever we're doing and just throw a ladder up there for them, you know hey, or hey you know you.
2: how about throwing two ladders if you got a search going on and you're on a second yeah. floor. You might want to throw two ladders right next to each other. Help with that victim removal, right? Sure. Like be yeah. proactive. You know, think about what's going on.
0: Oh, Oh, one hundred percent.
1: Yeah, it's it's all it's all good stuff, man. That's that's a good class. I, I'm gonna, definitely gonna check it out. Make sure when you see me, you remind me because I'm, I'm more stressed out about how I'm gonna get my trailer and shit out there. But I'm definitely <laughs> gonna check that out.
2: Yeah, man. Good man. Good stuff, guys. Is anybody else got anything they want to talk about?
1: No, nah, man, this was good. It was really good. I appreciate you guys, you guys having me, man. It was uh, it was a good combo.
2: Yeah, Way to no, bash bro. two and
1: two out, good. guys. Sean,
2: damn. Yeah, You're really <laughs> sucking up his ass. Yeah, yeah, I know, right? Man, he's 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 you. Yeah, fuck me, I guess. Damn. <laughs> 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 so, well, good, man. Thanks for coming on. I really enjoyed hey, man, nice it. Thanks for having me, guys. The, I think the conversation was good. Hopefully, our listeners will will get fired up about it, just like we are, because you know, like I said, I'm a firm believer. This shit needs to be talked about, man, and and. Check your feelings at the door. You know, we get way too emotional, way too quick in this profession. And, uh, you know, instead of thinking about things logically, we want to just behave like children and and argue and and do all that other stuff. And there's so much to this job. None of us are ever going to know it all. Um, And that, man, that's the beauty of it, right? Just having these conversations alone, maybe somebody can, can learn something or challenge the way they think, you know, ask themselves, why was I taught this? Is it best practice? You know, is there is there a better way for us to operate um, and start training? You know, I
1: agree, man. I I couldn't agree more, Sean. And, you know, I, I think one of the biggest takeaways I've learned in the last 10 years of my career rather than the first 10 years of my career is, you know, try to find what you're good at and, you know, try to really perfect that that skill because like i'm not a technical rescue guy that's not my thing like i'm always at like the cut station or like the anchor point or you know <laughs> where, where, where they put the idiots that's usually where i'm at I'm measure. oh you can read tape measures you're over there so you know and i'm cool with that i don't like i don't need to be that guy so that's not my thing so you know i learned that that's that's the way to go for me so like if something's not your thing sure try to learn it. like that won't shy me away from me taking a tech rescue class but you know that's not my that's not my path of passion or expertise.
2: Sure. Yeah, Stay in your lane. Right. And, yes. and The thing about that is like what you just said, and, and I hate that we kid ourselves in the fire service with these slogans, like jacks of all trades, master of none, like all that kind of crap. Listen, <clears throat> not a single person is going to be great at everything. No. That's just, it's just not happening. So learn your people's assets, right? Um, Nick, you're doing a class on driving. I do a class on search. You know, Bobby might be doing engine company stuff like whatever it is. The people inside your firehouse are all good at different things, and that's what makes collectively a really kick-ass crew. If we were I, I, awesome- I agree with you. I,
1: I I work I worked with a chief um, who was since retired, and uh, he was so awesome in so many ways. And he would always say, "Round pegs, round holes. Round pegs, round holes. It's really that simple." Sure. But you know, you need to know, like as you evolve. As you evolve and you, you, your career goes in different directions, it only gets harder. It doesn't get easier, and especially if you, especially if you dive into leadership. That's yeah. That's a that's a whole sure. different that's a whole different podcast.
2: Oh yeah. yeah.
0: Let, let me let me touch on that real quick before we close. And and there's two things that I just kind of came to mind when you were talking, Bobby. It was uh, I had an old captain tell me years and years ago. He's like, look, here's especially in this you know suburban setting, like most of us find ourselves in. You have to be good at pretty much all aspects of the job. But find one or two things that you're really passionate about and good at. And and you know what I'm saying? Be great at that. You know, you can't be, like Sean said, you can't be great at everything. That's impossible. You're not going to be a master of everything that this job entails because there's just too much. We should have a good, well-rounded working knowledge, if we're true professionals, of the different components of the job. But we need to find one or two things that really, you know, are our niche and and get in those things and be really great at them. You know what I'm saying? And I think that's really, to me is kind of stuck because I think it is very applicable. And and the reason why I say that is this, there's people who try to be masters of everything. And that's impossible. They try to, they try to claim to be that, Oh, I can, I can master everything. Well, that's just not realistic. Um, But on the flip side, there's other people who only do the stuff that they like and they're good at, and they never push themselves to do things that they're not comfortable with. And so they hurt their own career growth, in my opinion. And, and, and I say that from a full holistic context because, oh, I'm only going to do this because I like this or I'm good at this. You know, and I think that as is, is professionals, we should try to surround ourselves with people that are better than us in, in things that maybe we're weak in. Right. So, you know, if I got a guy that, you know, that's really, really just like I'm not, a, you know, real strong truck guy. Right. It maybe you know, I'm a big engine guy and you're a big truck guy. You know, I still want to know stuff about trucks. Push me, teach me things, right? Because it's gonna make me a better fireman overall.
1: They're slower in the truck. They're they're not good at disseminating information.
0: Well, <laughs> you know that uh, listen, I, I get it. You know, the, the crayon box isn't quite as full. You know, it's yeah, it you know what, what you know why they,
1: you know why they leave the truck to front of the building, right? So they know where it's at.
2: <laughs> hey, I only color with one crayon and it's green, yeah, it's, so leave me alone. No, I, listen, I, my listen, my, my favorite my favorite
0: flavor is blue, so I mean whatever.
1: There you
2: go. <laughs> no, I I, I I agree with you, and
1: you know it, it's um, you know it's yeah, I, I, I agree with you a thousand percent, no doubt about it.
0: I don't know. It just made me think about it. You were talking about the tech rescue thing, you, like you said, hey, it's not going to stop me from taking that class. No, I just, man, you know, I, that's like, not my I, niche. But I'm
1: pissed. I couldn't get in the I couldn't get in the swift water class, the technician. Yeah, I wanted to take the technician level. So, like, I like swimming and shit. I'm into that. Like, I would love to take that class. Um, but I just I couldn't get in, and I was like, pissed off. But uh, I guess you'd rather be pissed pissed off than pissed on.
2: Yeah, oh, yeah. 100%. True story. And then I got to take story. a shower and everything. It's just yeah. Like, yeah. It's, it's not even fun.
0: So, Well, yeah. listen, Bobby, thank you. Uh, guys, thanks just, for having me, man. it the been great conversation, And I'll see you
1: guys in uh, literally two weeks.
0: Yeah, yes, yeah we're two weeks out. So uh, that's episode 17, folks. Uh, we'll have it uploaded here shortly. And uh, enjoy. You guys have a good night. All right.